Okay, uh, last thing I just want to mention here before we turn it over to, to Patrick for this exciting look into our future together is just to mention I'm, I'm just one of, of dozens of staff members who have been a part of seeing this vision come together. And I just wanted to share from my own heart our excitement about what is to come. And I'm excited for you today. I think that today is going to be a benchmark opportunity for all of us to come together around something we believe God has really called us as a church to embrace in these coming years. So God bless you and uh, look around to the person to the left and right of you and say, hey, I was there when they talked about this because it's going to be one of those moments. Let's enjoy this now. A little over 2,000 years ago, an extraordinary child was born in very humble circumstances in a barn in the town of Bethlehem. To his neighbors and many members of his family, he was just an average kid. But as he grew older, he began to distinguish himself from other children. At the age of 12, he astounded biblical scholars with his intimate knowledge of the scriptures. As his unique relationship with God became more evident and he began to walk in his true calling, other people were attracted to the strange rabbi from a small town. His teachings were radical. Love God with everything you have in you and love others as you love yourself. While thousands of people followed him throughout his ministry, a group of 12 men were definitely closer to him than any others. These 12 men were known as disciples of Christ. He poured his life and teachings into them. Christ was eventually killed because of his radical teachings, but three days later, in an even more radical move, he rose from the dead. The time and teachings Jesus Christ poured into his closest friends had one purpose, to prepare them to fill his final command. The final command or commission that Christ gave his followers was to go, to go and make more disciples. In fact, to go and make disciples in every nation, to baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. As followers of Jesus were obedient to his command, the good news that sinners can find forgiveness and experience peace with God spread across the globe. A worldwide movement was born in which people centered their lives around the teachings of a radical, resurrected Messiah that preached peace, lived a life of love, and claimed kinship with God himself. From Jerusalem, the gospel message spread across the Mediterranean and Black Seas. Africa, Asia, and Europe were all touched by the teachings of the Messiah. As Europeans spread across the Atlantic Ocean, disciples of Christ took the gospel message into North and South America. Across the Pacific, the gospel was taken into Australia. With the construction of a cross at Cape Evans on the continent of Antarctica, the presence of the gospel has been made evident on every continent. Religious freedoms guaranteed by the U.S. Constitution allowed Christianity to spread rapidly across North America. Churches were giving birth to more churches as people's lives were transformed with the good news of Christ. In 1967, in southern Indiana, First Christian Church of Evansville prayerfully decided to launch a church plant to the east of downtown Evansville. A group of 44 Christian disciples began meeting together in a home on Washington Avenue. The newly christened Plaza Park Christian Church was dedicated to spreading the gospel here in our community, across the country, and around the globe. As the church grew, it moved to Cullen Avenue and its name changed to Cullen Avenue Christian Church. In 1998, a new home was constructed for what was to become Crossroads Christian Church. The name and location may have changed, but the mission of reaching people with Christ's message of hope and redemption has never changed. While Crossroads has grown exponentially since the 44 charter members of our church, our work is by no means complete. 
Our best days are not behind us. The work begun on Washington Avenue by a small group of radical believers still continues today. From the first century AD to the 21st century, the mission that Christ gave to his followers has never changed, to go and make more disciples. In the Evansville area, there are currently over 120,000 people that don't follow Christ. As a church that is dedicated to being on mission with Jesus, we are committed to reaching all of the unchurched people in our community. We can't just expect the lost to come to us. Instead, we need to take the life-changing gospel of Christ into each of the communities within the tri-state area. It's important that people throughout our city are able to worship God with their friends, neighbors, and coworkers right in the neighborhoods in which they live. It's vital that they use their God-given gifts in service to their neighbors and family members as they are equipped to be missionaries to the lost people that they share their lives with every day. So what will it take to reach the unreached? What are the mountains we still have to climb? How will we claim new territory for the sake of Jesus' mission? This is our story. This is our journey. This is about accomplishing something so big that if and only if it succeeds, only God can get credit for it. This is our future together. About one year ago, the elders here at our church began discussing with me the possibility of becoming Crossroads' next lead pastor. Now, at the beginning of those conversations, they challenged me to begin thinking and praying about where I sense God wanting to take our church in the future. Now, fast forward several months after a lot of prayer, fasting, and dialogue, the elders extended the invitation for me to step into this position. Now, whenever that was made known to everyone in late February of this year, that one question resurfaced again by many of you. Where's God taking our church in the future? What do our days ahead look like? You see, deep within the fabric of Crossroads, there is this anticipation for God to keep moving in mighty ways. The book of Matthew, found in the Bible, serves as kind of like a biography on the life of Jesus. Matthew actually unveils to us the very first moment that Jesus talks about this idea of the church. And so one day Jesus is walking along, he's talking to his closest friends and, and he comes and, and he kind of casts his vision for what his followers would, look, would be like. And this is what he says. He turns to Peter, James and John and says, I will build my church and all the powers of hell will not conquer it. And so in this moment, Jesus casts this vision that his followers would be an unstoppable force. Now, it's no coincidence that the very first picture that we have of the church given by its founder is the image of something on the move. And so Jesus did not say that his church would be something that would separate from culture due to eroding moral values. Jesus did not say that his church would be an army that would be unstoppable only until a certain politician was elected. Not at all. No, from the beginning, Jesus said that we, would be an un, that we would be an army that would be unstoppable and would prevail against all darkness and brokenness in our society. You see, vision in the church enables us to imagine just where God can take us. It can establish a common picture that we can all strive towards because if not, then one road is as good as the next. And so for the past six months or so, it's been our desire to run after something so big and so great that if and only if it succeeds, only God can take credit for it. 
And so it's my honor and privilege today to kind of communicate to you and unveil where we sense God taking our church in the future. Now, I want up front to just reestablish some expectations that you may have about this message, all right? Now, you're gonna walk away today with a lot of questions about things, and that's okay. You may hear this vision and be more disturbed than inspired by what we hope will get you on board, and and that's okay as well. You may not jump on board right away. It may be a long time. You may not jump on board at all. All right, this vision is not about any one person. It's not about me. It's not about any one ministry. You should know that several men and women, a part of our church, church, have helped shape and mold where we want God to take our church in the future. And so to set things up today, if you have your Bibles or Bible app, I want you to go ahead and turn to the New Testament book of Luke. It goes Matthew, Mark, Luke, John in the back thirds of your Bibles. Now, Luke, again, is another biography on the life of Jesus. And and today we're going to be in chapter 15, first seven verses in this uh, book. Now, in this specific chapter, there are three stories that Jesus tells all with the very same thing. It all has the same point. And so the point of each story that Jesus tells here is to unveil that our creator, our creator longs to be reconciled with those who have rejected him. He longs to be connected to those who have walked away before. And so to illustrate this point, Jesus talks about one sheep that wandered away from a fold. Jesus talks about a coin that had been lost in some woman's house. And then at the end of this chapter, Jesus talks about two sons who had rejected their father's love and were only using him for his wealth. And so we're gonna narrow in today on the first seven verses of what Jesus says here and take a look in verse one and what we read. It says this, tax collectors and other notorious sinners often came to listen to Jesus teach. This made the Pharisees and teachers of religious law complain that he was associating with such sinful people. Catch this, even eating with them, Luke says. Now, in the ancient world, the people who you ate with was a really big deal. I mean, it was an identity marker that communicated to society that you and those individuals were one. It was a sense of identification. That's why the religious leaders here were so irate that Jesus ate with the worst of the worst people. You see, tax collectors, prostitutes, and other notorious sinners were thought to be hopeless outcasts. Yet what I love about Jesus is that he never expected sinners to not act like sinners. I mean, if they really were living a life apart from God, don't you think their life would reflect that as well? My prayer is for our church that when Pharisees show up here at Crossroads, that they would criticize us for who's here and who we attract. I mean, Jesus said it best that it's not the healthy who need a doctor, but it's the sick. I mean, think about it. If only healthy patients were admitted into hospitals, why would we need hospitals? right? Pick up in verse three. So Jesus told them this story. If a man has a hundred sheep and one of them gets lost, what will he do? Won't he leave the 99 others in the wilderness and go to search for the one that is lost until he finds it? And when he has found it, he will joyfully carry it home on his shoulders. When he arrives, he will call together his friends and neighbors saying this, rejoice with me because I have found my lost sheep. 
In the same way, there is more joy in heaven over one lost sinner who repents and returns to God than over 99 others who are righteous and haven't strayed away. Now from this story, there are three observations that I wanna quickly make here. The first one is this, that numbers matter because every number represents a name. Numbers matter because every number represents a name. When the shepherd noticed that one had wandered away, he didn't say, well, you know what? I still have 99. I still have a majority of my sheep. That one really didn't matter to begin with. No, it mattered. You see, every number represents a name and every name represents a person who has been made in the image of God in need of forgiveness. Back in early August, I came home one evening to our youngest at the time, Vera, wearing a t-shirt that simply said, Big Sister. Now, that was Savannah's way of informing me that she was pregnant. Now, this really didn't surprise me all too much because Savannah has such a difficult time keeping her hands off of me. (laughs) People hear that I have three kids under the age of four and they say, boy, you must really like kids. And to that, I say, no, I just really like my wife, all right? (laughs) And so when Savannah told me in that moment that I was gonna be a father of three, do you know what I didn't say? I didn't say, oh no, two's enough. I wanted to, but I didn't. Uh, No, we rejoiced in that moment. We were thrilled that our family was expanding. In part, that's why families exist, right? And you see, in a similar way, Crossroads Christian Church, we exist for those in our community who are not yet a part of the family of God. You see, a win for our church is seeing people forever changed by Jesus Christ. And so numbers matter to us, not to boost our ego, not to mark off something on a to-do list or checklist. No, but because we believe that we serve a God who clearly says that he is being patient for one more person to repent and turn to him. I mean, after all, if we have a message that can change someone's life for all of eternity for the best, I mean, how much do we have to hate people to keep that message to ourselves? Now, the second observation from this story that Jesus told is this. The one would have never been found unless the shepherd decided to go. The one would have never been found unless the one, unless the shepherd decided to go. Now, all throughout scripture, the story of God rarely advances by people just remaining and huddling up. And one of the first things that God told a guy named Abraham was to go leave the land that he was familiar with and he would multiply his descendants. God even told his very own son, Jesus, to go into the world that was just messed up and messy to absorb the wrath that we all deserve because of sin in our life. God told the very first believers after Jesus went to heaven to go and be witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria into the ends of the earth. And so the time has come for us as a church to take this call of going rather seriously. In other words, we need to envision new ways that the gospel can infiltrate people's lives. Why? Because the one is in danger and the 99 are safe. The last observation about this story is this, that one of the responsibilities of the 99 is to make room for the one. One of the responsibilities of the 99 is to make room for the one. If Jesus says that there is more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 people who are righteous and don't need to repent, 
The question is, how should that inform our approach to those who are close to us, but are maybe far from God? You see, the worst thing that the 99 could ever do is to get so comfortable in the sheep pen that there is no room for the one when she returns. You remember that Jesus first told this story to the Pharisees, the so-called religious professionals of their day. Now, the biggest criticism that Jesus had of them was that they were more concerned about their image than, than helping people find their way back to God. They were so impressed with their outward obedience to the law that, that rules over time took precedence over what God cares for most, and that's lost and broken people. You see, the Pharisees had focused so intently upon their works that they neglected to see just how lost they really were. Now, here's the thing for us. The moment we forget how lost we would all be if our shepherd didn't find us, that is precisely the moment we think that the fold exists for our comfort and our security. Yet when we see how undeserving we are of God's lavish grace and kindness, that's the moment where we will do whatever it takes for other people to hear and know as well. Now for 49 years, Crossroads Christian Church has existed in this community for that very reason. You heard on that video a moment ago how a group of unassuming people whose names you may never know took a risk and left the comfort of their church to start a church on the growing east side of Evansville. Now, since our church's conception in 1967, we've stepped out in faith on countless occasions. I think back to the 1980s when our church really took off. It possessed a contagious buzz that everyone everywhere wanted to experience firsthand. Now, during that chapter in the life of our church, we, we took a lot of risks. We began, embracing, we began embracing contemporary worship and we moved away from hymnals. We formed a, a youth ministry to reach out to middle and high school students. We began challenging people to form small groups that met in homes. I mean, our church was on the move back then and it had it going on. Now, I've never done this before in a service, but if you came to know the Lord during this time in the life of our church or, or you first got connected to our church during this chapter, we're talking about the 1980s to, to maybe the mid 90s, would you mind just standing to your feet for just a minute? You can look around the room. Now, if you're standing here, I want you to know that you are here today because those 44 followers of Jesus left their 99 to reach the one. You can be seated. Now, during that time, it was evident that we were out of space. And so for a second time in, in less than 30 years of existence, we made the decision to relocate where we are today. We changed our name to Crossroads Christian Church. And I thank God for that every single day because I still can't pronounce our former church name. I wanna call it Colon Avenue Christian Church. <laughs> Now to make this move possible, many of you increased your giving. You gave up family vacations, you sold property, you sold cars that you maybe didn't need. But then after moving into this facility, whatever momentum we did have was cut short when our senior pastor at the time resigned rather abruptly due to some personal matters. And so almost overnight, that, that anticipation about our future was replaced with anxiety. 
Excitement had been overtaken by worry. A big concern was this, how in the world were we ever gonna pay off this multi-million dollar debt of a brand new facility without a leader and without a senior pastor? And so it was precisely during that time that our church began fasting and praying for a season. This all culminated to a certain weekend back in 1999 when we took up a much needed offering to pay off the debt. We needed precisely $1 million to temporarily satisfy the loan. Now that kind of offering in a church of 3,000 was just unheard of. But in a church of 3,000 with no senior pastor, I mean, it would take an act of God. Yet what didn't seem logical, what seemed impossible, our people, you guys rallied together and God showed up to remind us that he was still in charge. That's why we look back on that particular weekend and we affectionately call it Miracle Day. Because when the offering had been collected, we received exactly $1 million. You see, when a church is built upon Jesus Christ and not the personality of a pastor, a church can make it through difficult moments. Now, the best way to describe the next 10 years at Crossroads is that we were stabilized by a team-based approach to leadership. Around 2005, an official search for a senior pastor began and, and our elders just couldn't get away from the name of a certain Bible college president named Ken Eidelman. Now, I'll let Ken share his story of coming to Crossroads next week, but I think we all can agree that Pastor Ken was exactly who our church needed during this time. And so if you came to know the Lord or you first got connected to Crossroads within the past 10 years under Ken's leadership, would you mind just standing to your feet for just a moment? It's over half of us in here. I think we all can agree that Ken was exactly who our church needed, right? And the reality is our church is now positioned to run after a vision that is so big that if it succeeds and only if it succeeds, only God can take credit for it. I mean, the table is set. And for such a time as this, God has brought this team and congregation together because our work has only begun. We totally believe that our best days as a church are still before us and not behind us. And as proud as some of us may be about our past and content with our progress today, the truth is we can't stay where we are. I mean, it would be a mistake to just maintain the status quo and believe that our wins from yesterday will carry us to victory today. Why is that? Well, if we take a look at our current reality right here, just in this region, we would quickly realize that there are a lot of wandering sheep still to be found. Now, in the tri-state region alone, there are approximately 350,000 people that, that reside here. That is uh, taken into account about six different counties. Of those 350,000 people that live here, 51% do not have a church home and are lost and wandering. That means that roughly 178,000 people in our community don't know Jesus. Now, in that video a moment ago, we threw out the number 120,000. That just counts for the towns of Evansville, Newburgh, and Henderson and surrounding areas. We believe as a church that, that in the coming years, our reach can be much further than that. But do you realize what this means? 
I mean, this means that 178,000 people in our own backyard are currently destined to an actual place called hell. I mean, 178,000 people in our region are empty and broken. I sometimes think to myself, of those 178,000 individuals, how many are currently going through a divorce? I mean, how many are hooked on meth? How many are on the verge of suicide? How many are currently being sexually abused by an older family member? How many are trying to provide for their families by stripping, selling drugs, or, or doing other things that they don't want to do? Now, make no mistake about it. This 178,000 number does not represent an unknown group of people. Now, just because they may be far from God does not mean that they are far from us. This number represents your neighbor who annoys you to death every single week for cutting his grass religiously at 6 a.m. This number represents the parents of your son's teammates that watch games with you every Saturday morning. This is your doctor, your plumber, your financial advisor, your, your mailman. Now for me, this, this represents my friend Jimmy. Jimmy works in sales. He's very intellectual, but you know what? Jimmy wants nothing to do with the church. This represents another friend, another friend of mine named John. John's a union worker. He loves his Natty Ice light beer. Ah. He loves his family. He loves his truck. But you know what? John is also searching for a lot of significance and he's currently living life without Jesus. And so when we think about that 178,000, it, it's easy to just look at a number without really seeing a name attached to it. Now, the Bible tells us that we live in an age where we are currently at war. Now, this is not a battle that we can see with our eyes. Rather, this is a spiritual fight that is unseen. And so make no mistake about it. The 178,000, they are not our enemies. They are the victims. They are the casualties that have been victimized in this war. But do you remember what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 16? He said that he would start a church, he would create a movement that no darkness and brokenness could ever prevail against. And so let me ask you this question. If you knew that you were on the winning side of the war, don't you think that would give you the confidence to step foot out of your bunker and do what it took to reach potential casualties in harm's way? Another question to frame it like this would be, how many are searching for that fold where they know they ultimately belong but they haven't found it because no one has been willing to leave the 99. And so that's exactly where we sense God taking us in the future. Therefore, in the next five years, by 2021, our vision is to be one church with five different locations across the tri-state region. We believe that with God's leading and with a more narrow focus, we can be reaching thousands more people every single week we envision having 750 small groups established in our neighborhoods. We envision that five years from now, there's not a street in our community that hasn't been prayed over at least one time a month by our people. We envision creating a welcoming environment on each of our campuses that is disarming and engaging so that the gospel is clear. It's not just something that you hear, but it's something that you see and experience. We envision equipping and training each of you for your God-given service to the body of Christ. We are aiming to plant one church in an American city every single year. 
We also envision that by 2021, we will have 10 families in the missionary pipeline and we'll have engaged 10 different unreached people groups across the globe. You see, when it's all said and done, we envision that over the next five years, that 178,000 number is dramatically reduced. Now you may say, you know what, that, that sounds great, but to be honest with you, Patrick, that just sounds really unrealistic. And to that I'd say, you're exactly right. It is a long shot. But if there's anything that we should learn when looking at the history of Crossroads, it's that we should never be content with reaching enough people. I mean, we have a really great track record of doing some courageous stuff so that we might reach some. I mean, after all, the gospel is urgent because it provides an eternal cure. Now call me crazy, but I believe that the God who parted the waters from Moses is the same God who can take us to new territory. I believe the same God who told the wind and waves to cease by the sound of his voice and the wind and waves obeyed him is the same God who actively listens to our dreams and our prayers. You see, sometimes we fail to see God move in mighty ways simply because we're not hungry enough or what we're asking for is too small. Now, vision and mission are not the same thing. The mission is what we do while vision is why. Mission is what we do while vision is this clear picture of what could happen if we live on mission every single day. Jesus gave us our mission in Matthew 28 when he told us to go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Basically, Jesus was saying, go and reach people who will go out and reach people. Now, around here at Crossroads, we simply paraphrase that by saying that we are disciples making disciples. And so if we are disciples who are going out making other disciples, what does that picture look like for us five years from now? And so to summarize our vision and to capture where we sense God taking us, here's the vision statement that we as a leadership team have decided to rally around. And it's this, that Crossroads Christian Church exists to connect everyone everywhere to Jesus by multiplying leaders, campuses, and churches. We exist to connect everyone everywhere to Jesus by multiplying leaders, campuses, and churches. Now, for the sake of clarity, I will not unpack this statement in full detail today because I don't want you to miss what we mean when we say that we are gonna be multiplying campuses. Now, we're not talking about ministry centers or academies, which we've done in the past. By campuses, we simply mean that we are gonna be one church with multiple locations. Now, here's why we're gonna do this. Approximately 66% of us in here, right with us today, live within a 15-minute commute of this campus. Now, an even more staggering statistic is that 93% of our small groups are within a 15-minute drive of here also. And so if you're trying to make sense of these statistics, here's what that means. The closer you are to a church that you call home, the more likely you are to get involved and be active in inviting friends with you. Now, my experience has been that people have a lot of barriers People who are far from God have a lot of barriers keeping them from Jesus. And so as a church, we've just determined that we're not gonna allow a 15 commute to one of our campuses be one of them. 
And so instead of hoping that wandering sheep will stumble into our fold located in a small pocket of our community, we're gonna be a church on the move that will spread out and multiply to have many locations across the tri-state region so that why? We can give, great, we can give people greater accessibility to Jesus. I mean, think about it like this. How awesome would it be if 15 years from now, I mean, no matter where you drove within one hour of Evansville or Newburgh, you were always at least 15 minutes within a crossroads campus. I mean, you probably have lots of questions about where these campus, what these campuses look like. And, and honestly, we're, we're still trying to figure out a lot of these details and, and a lot of this are, it will unfold in the coming months. But here's what we do know. Each campus is gonna have the full weekend experience every single week. That means that each location will have its own children's ministry, student ministry, hospitality teams, worship teams, and videoed preaching streamed from this campus. Each campus will also have its own campus pastor and staff that will focus on people living within the 15 minute radius of that campus. Again, we're gonna remain one church, but we'll have several different locations. And so if our first location is right here in Newburgh, where will our next campus be located? Now, when we first began this journey, we asked God to show us where our second site should be located. We then asked ourselves two questions. Outside the 15 minute radius of this site, where is the highest population of unchurched people? And secondly, do we have people represented in that area that commute from there to here each week? And to be honest with you, the decision could not have been clear. Therefore, sometime during the first quarter of 217, we will be opening Crossroads Christian Church West Campus located on the west side of Evansville. Now, nearly 400 of you drive way too far to Newburgh every week in order to worship here. And so it is our dream that those 400 individuals will now have a greater chance of reaching the one in their communities and workplaces and neighborhoods because they will have a church that is closer to them and in turn, the gospel is more accessible to them. Now, I did not grow up in Evansville. I do not get this whole east side, west side divide thing. I think it's really stupid. But if the one thing standing between someone hearing about Jesus is a commute to a part of town that they have no interest in entering, we can criticize that or we can say this, you know what, rather than you coming to us, we're gonna go to you. Amen. Thank you, Bob. Appreciate that, buddy. Tim, every week, all right? It's also with great joy that I tell you today that uh, our campus, <laughs> Bob, you're amazing. <laughs> uh, our campus pastor selected to lead Crossroads West is none other than Dave Bowersocks. Now, uh, if you know Dave, you can give Dave a hand. Dave's awesome if you know him. <clears throat> Dave and Sandy have two boys, Judah and Calvin. They reside on the west side and, and have a burden for their neighbors there. And uh, Dave has been on our staff for about five months or so and is an exceptional leader. And in the coming months, we're gonna give you plenty of chances to meet Dave and his family. Now we have not determined a specific building or even location of where our West Campus will be located. But again, th those are just some of the details that we're gonna unveil to you in the coming, in the coming days. 
Now, our third campus is a little bit outside the box, so I need you to go with us here for, for just a moment. Kyle Miles is our IT director, and he told me the other day, he said, you know, Patrick, our greatest, newest mission field in our society is the internet. And so a question that we've been tossing around as, as a staff is this question, how can we leverage technology to advance the gospel? And so after a time of research and development, we concluded that experiencing our church in an online atmosphere every single week is a way that we can connect with people who might never darken the door of a church building. Therefore, sometime in the next six months, we will officially be launching our online campus. Now, this campus will be in an environment where everyone everywhere can view the weekend experience live and interact with other people participating in the service through a chat feature. And so for those who refuse to attend Crossroads out of fear that the roof might cave in, why not go and take church to them right there in their living room? Now, we do not have a campus pastor selected yet, but, but we're actively searching for that person. And so again, more details to come. Now to condense everything, what I just said into one thing, here's what this means for us. Lord willing, one year from now, we will be one church with three different campuses. Newburgh right here, our West campus and our online campus. Now the other two sites in the next five years have yet to be determined, but the motivation behind all of this goes back to this one question. How many are searching for the sheepfold where they belong? But they can't find it because no one has left the 99. Now, let me just say this too. If you think that our church is too big or our church is big enough, you're gonna hate heaven. <laughs> because heaven is a place where numbers do matter and God is patiently waiting for, again, that one person to repent. I know you have lots of questions and you're still trying to process all this. I totally understand but there's one thing that I wanna leave you with as we wrap up today and it's this, that no vision ever became reality without the collective sacrifice of many. No vision ever became reality without the collective sacrifice of many. You know, my pastor used to always say growing up whenever our church was growing and it was kind of uh, creating some discomfort among the church and among the, the dis, uh, among the 99, he'd stand up in front of our people and he'd say, you know what? Sacrifice is giving up something that you love for something that you love more. And that's something that we're probably gonna say a lot in the coming days here at Crossroads because that's exactly what it's gonna require for this vision to become reality. And while it is true that our five-year vision is so big that if it succeeds, only God can take credit for it. Here's what I do know about the story of God is that when the 99 sacrifice for the one, God is invited to move in supernatural ways. Brian Houston said it like this, the church is not built on the gifts and talents of a few but on the sacrifices of many. And so in the days, months, and even years ahead, you can expect to be asked to sacrifice in some way for the sake of this vision. You will be asked to serve more. You're gonna be asked to give and to continue your all-in commitments, which are helping fund these uh, multiple campuses. You'll be asked to pray more than you ever have. You'll be encouraged to join a small group in your area. You may be asked to be a part of a team to start a campus in a new location. You can even expect for us to change the way we do certain ministries. You can even expect for us to thoroughly evaluate the effectiveness of some ministries and programming, which may result, just so you know, in not doing them anymore. But at the same time, 
you can also expect that our message is never gonna change. You see, our methods may be timely, but our message is timeless. And we may change our approach, but the message remains the same. We are gonna do whatever it takes to connect everyone everywhere to Jesus. Now we're almost done here. And believe it or not, that there, there was a time in the church when it was viewed upon as a very noble thing to make it difficult for people who were trying to find Jesus. You see, back during when this was happening, uh, the controversy or the issue was, should we make those who are not a part of the Jewish faith before meeting Jesus submit to all these rules and regulations of the law? In other words, if you grew up in Judaism, you could convert to Jesus right away. But if you didn't grow up in Judaism, you first had to go through the law and then find Jesus. Now for men, this meant that you had to be circumcised. Now talk about it. Not really a great church growth strategy, all right? (laughs) And so all this culminated to a point where the early church leaders gathered together in the city of Jerusalem to hash this out and to discuss it. Some on one side of the aisle were saying, yeah, Gentiles who were converted to Jesus needed to first go through the law. And then others were saying, no, it's Jesus plus nothing equals everything. And so this meeting gathered to a point where An early church leader named James stood up and and he just kind of said this. He settled the matter by putting it this way. In Acts chapter 15, he said, and so my judgment is that we should not make it difficult for the Gentiles who are turning to God. And that just kind of settled the matter right then and there. Now let me translate this into our context. For the next five years or so, we're gonna go out of our way to intentionally not make it difficult those who need to find Jesus, to find him. And so you won't come to us, that's okay. We're gonna go to you. Let's pray. Jesus, you tell us in your word that we are the light of the world and that you would start this community, you'd start this movement that that nothing could stop, that nothing could contain. And And God, we want that to continue to be the case for our church here in this community and our nation and around the world. And God, I know that with vision, there always comes sacrifice. And and some of us here might might be a little bit anxious about what that means, what what the implications may be for our life. And, And Lord, would you just help us to focus on the vision of reaching more people, more than we're focusing on our preferences, more than we're focusing on the the ministries that we love. Because God, at the end of the day, we know that time is running out and the gospel is urgent. I thank you for saving me. I thank you for saving those in this room who are here. It's in Christ's name that we pray, amen.